Hello and welcome to another episode of Bring Out the Podcasts. As always, I'm your host, Luke Thompson. Eric Rubottom is here with us to talk some basketball. Eric, how you doing? Living the dream, man. Living the dream. <laughs> and it's, it's been a couple weeks. You know, season somehow keeps getting worse for K-State basketball, it seems like. And things don't get any easier this week. The Cats have to play Texas, number four team in the country right now. They've won six in a row. So we brought on Mike Barnes. He's the host of the Orange Report on Block Talk Radio. Mike, how you doing? Man, I'm doing great. How are y'all tonight? Doing well. Doing well. Really appreciate you joining us. Uh, Absolutely. So, uh, Taking a little break from the Alabama-Ohio State game, but that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, honestly, I kind of forgot about that when I scheduled this because that's how little I care about that game. <laughs> but, yep. <laughs> <laughs> well, my, my, only interest, my only interest is watching our new head coach call plays. So, yeah, <laughs> so that's about my only interest. There you go. That's fair. That's fair. Right, and that, but Texas basketball, so this is, unlike Kansas State, a very experienced team. They've got, I think it's a couple juniors, or I mean, it's three juniors and a senior in the starting lineup. And then, uh, you know, they won six in a row, like I said. Is this kind of, are we getting now what everybody expected when they hired Chaka Smart? I think Texas fans are sure hoping so. The first five years obviously wouldn't meet expectations. And I have to be honest, I, I was ready to cut Chaka loose last year, probably had covid um, not all got in, you know, it may have been real close, who knows, but um, mm-hmm. obviously it's starting to click, he's got the, the roster where he wants, you know, the thing the thing about Shaka, even though he wasn't winning, miraculously he is still recruiting at a high level, and normally you can tell a coach's tenure is done, is when the recruits stop coming, and that hasn't happened with Shaka, he's still <laughs> able to get five stars, and you know, got the freshman Greg Brown, who looks to be a, a, a superstar, right. starting to hit his own this year, you know, so, you know, Maybe Shaka's going to make it um, at Texas. But I have to tell you, I, I've been a harsh critic because, I mean, he's still not 500 in the Big 12. You know, he hadn't been in the tournament, you know, most of the years he's been there. Um, but, you know, this year this team looks legit for sure. Right, right. And definitely, yeah, I think on Twitter you were not alone in being a critic. Certainly uh, saw a lot of frustrated fans over the last few years. But, yeah, you, you mentioned Greg Brown. We'll, we'll talk about him. But it seems like it's kind of the three guards that are leading the way. You know, Andrew Jones and Matt Coleman and Courtney Ramey, all of them are averaging, you know, 13 points something points per game. And, you know, at least watching West Virginia, it seemed like they, they really like spread them out and just kind of challenge defenders one-on-one. And, and that might even be part of the reason Texas is ninth in the Big 12 in assists. You know, is that just kind of the offense let those guys spread out and create? Yeah, we still have a tendency to get bogged down, and we have some stretches where we we don't score like we should. But I think the catalyst of this team is on the defensive end for sure. I mean, they're just so lengthy and rangy and big, and they're so quick. They're just incredibly hard to score on. I don't know if y'all watched the Kansas game, but, I mean, we ran them out of the fog, and they just were clueless on offense. But, yeah. You know, most Texas fans were extremely excited of what's happened with Andrew Jones. I mean, everybody knows his story, had leukemia, and he is slowly starting to get back. I think he is probably about 90% now of what he was, and he is really starting to blossom and look like the five-star that that he was, and he has made a tremendous impact. And I think not only his impact on the court with his scoring ability, but just his leadership and what he went through has just made guys rally around him and rally around the team. Yeah, that was so cool to see him hit the, the game winner against West Virginia, I think. You know, everybody in the Big 12 who knows his story appreciated that for sure. Yeah, and and you guys are obviously doing something right defensively because, like you said, you went and uh, ran the, the Hawks out of fog. And to be honest with you, it, it wasn't the fact that you guys beat the pants off of them by 25. It was the fact that you held them to 59 points in their own building. You know, I, I've seen games where they get 50 of those 59 from the freaking free throw lines. So uh, obviously you guys are doing something right defensively. Yeah, um, I think we're only giving up around 63 points a game. So that's, like I said, we, we still have some stretches there that we bog down. But the way this defense, you know, the defense plays, they're so lengthy, they're rangy. Teams just can't get in the paint. And so we're we're able to play the three line a little more than we used to. And it's just teams are just struggling. I mean, and, and I mean, sometimes it looks just other teams just look awfully bad on offense. And I'm starting, you know, in the first couple of games of the season, I thought, you know, I was looking at it because I had a biased view. I, I was already going into the season not expecting much, even though I knew the roster was loaded. 
I kept thinking, man, these teams are awful. But then we got into game five, game six, and I started seeing a trend. I said, you know, this team is just solid on the defensive end. And, you know, you got Greg Brown back there. You got, you know, he's 6'9", 6'10", and, you know, we're just – and, and you know, Coleman at the guard, he's big. We're just so big and lengthy in our, in our quickness that teams are just having a hard time scoring. And, you know, the best thing about it, Ian, is, you know, last year, the year before, we'd go five, six minutes and not score, and we'd look up and be down 10 points. Now we're still having a few of those stretches, not as not as many, but now we're only down three to four points, and, we're, and it's keeping us in the games. Yeah, and just to, to add a few more stats, I mean, Texas is number one in the conference. Field goal percentage defense teams are shooting just 38%. Number one in three-point field goal percentage defense, 27%. Yeah. And I think they're fourth best right now in Ken Palm's adjusted defense rating. Yep. That's all, all pretty impressive. And it's interesting there, uh, you know, they don't necessarily have a big shot blocker inside. They've got are certainly big athletic guys, but like you said, they're just kind of keeping guys out of the paint and, and contesting every shot, it seems like. It is, and, and probably the player who has really stepped up, he had a decent season last year, but Kyle Jones has really come on. I mean, for a while there, he hadn't, he hadn't missed a three-pointer. I mean, he was like 14 or 14 to start the season. Um, he has really improved his shooting game, and he's another guy that's 6'11", gets up and down the court. And, you know, this is this is the type of roster that, that Shaka likes. I mean, you, you know, Rangy can get after you in the half-court, you know, defense. And then, you you know, like you said with Matt Coleman earlier, our assists are up. He, um, he'll dish and then kick it back to Ramey. And Ramey, if he's open out there at three-point line, she didn't, or Andrew Jones, they're just deadly. You know, I, I, right. I feel at this point, you know, Texas is, you know, a lot of things can happen with COVID. You know, there's going to be some games I'm sure that we miss. Y'all are going to have players that miss like y'all bad already. We've had games canceled <laughs> tonight. But if this team could stay healthy, um, you know, it, it, I'm going to be honest, it would be a huge disappointment if, if this was not at least a Sweet 16, Elite 8 type team, potentially Final Four. Yeah, yeah, they, they look really good. And, you know, you kind of mentioned it. you got Kai Jones and you've also got uh, – I can give you some minutes off the bench. So there's a lot of depth there, something that the K-State certainly – is sorely lacking with a lot of injuries and, and some other stuff going on. Um, you know, that, that must be nice to have that in the front court. I mean, Kansas State, uh, just to, to, to emphasize how bad that was for K-State last game, Eric, you know, Joe Petrakis got, had the most minutes of any of the K-State big guys. Yeah, yeah. We had, well, we had six scholarship players available for our last game, so. Yeah, I, I saw May that. COVID. <laughs> Well, what, what, mm-hmm. what's, what's amazing with this Texas team is Jericho Sims was really the big name coming back. You know, everybody, mm-hmm. you know, thought he, you know, would jump to the NBA last year. He decided to come on back. And, I mean, he's, you know, he's only averaging about six points a game. For whatever reason, there's been some games that he has just really struggled and, and looked out of it. And I, I don't know. I don't know what's going on with him. And then I've seen some games where, we're just so deep, and, and, and there's so many good players that he's just having a hard time getting touches. So for us to really get to where we're going to need, we're going to need Jericho Sims to step up. But but right now, the player everybody was expecting to be the superstar is not our superstar right now. So we're, like I said, if he could get going, um, we have a chance to have a special season. Yeah, and I, I'm a big fan of Jericho Sims' hair, too. I think he's got one of the best throws <laughs> in college basketball right now. Yeah. <laughs> uh. But to get back to the guards, though, I mean, I guess that, you know, they're, they're, they all are guys that can kind of, they can shoot from the outside or they can slash in. Like you said, you know, they all seem fairly similar in, the, in their production. If you had to rank those guys one through three, you know, how would you rank them as far as their, what they give to the, to the team? Well, I mean, I, I'm, I think overall, just from pure, you know, if Andrew Domes doesn't come down with leukemia and get sick, I mean, he's probably playing in the NBA already. That was his projection. So, I mean, right. just on pure natural-born ability, I mean, Andrew Jones is number one, and it's probably not even a close number two. Like I said, the only reason we're having the conversation is because, you know, he missed the whole season. He Athletically, when he's full speed and everything, he is just at a different level. But then I'd probably go – uh, with Matt Coleman, just for the for the mere reason of he's the point guard, he can make some things happen. Rain, I love Ramey, but he's he's a lot of one dimensional. Um, sometimes he he does he struggles, you know, off the ball a little bit. He's more of a player. You get him open, plant, and he'll stop, and you know, and get him planted at the three point line. So I would definitely go Jones, Coleman, and Ramey for me. Okay, and then I feel like maybe the one 
one weakness that they have is, and from watching the West Virginia game and looking at the stats a little bit, is, you know, they seem to have some careless turnovers every once in a while, and they're not necessarily forcing a lot of turnovers on the defensive end. You know, is that something that shocks the turnover margin? Yeah, unfortunately, that has been a that has been a trademark of, of the Shaka era. We've had so many games down the stretch the last several years where we've been close or three or four point game with four minutes to go, and the next thing you know, we have five possessions and, and four turnovers. So, yeah, that's just one of the details that that I have been re- very critical of of not only our stagnation on offense, but just the lack of you know attention to detail um, in certain things. But you know, ironically, like against West Virginia. I got to give him props. You know, they came down, they missed the free throws. A lot of times he would have called that timeout. He trusted his team this year. We got down there, and that's when Jones got open. We didn't give him a chance to set up. So I, I would have to say I've seen some growth in the way Shaka is handling this team. And now that now that I look back on it, I just had a kind of a epiphany in my mind. Maybe some of the things he was doing in the past is he just didn't trust his team. And it looks like, you know, he's got a lot of trust for, the, for these guys because they're, they're performing at a high level. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. And then, you know, one other thing with that West Virginia game is they did have some issues, uh, you know, keeping Culver out of the paint. I mean, kind of everybody does. You know, he's one of the mm-hmm. most dominant players in the conference. But, you know, K-State's got a freshman, Davion Bradford, who's shown some, some good strength inside. When he can stay on the floor, he, he's done fairly well. You know, is that something Kansas State could potentially exploit against Texas? or? Yeah, we have we have a tendency to not block out as well. You know, we we gave up I'm no one possession there. West Virginia got about four offensive rebounds, and I was literally throwing my hat across the floor, thinking, "Good Lord, we're going to lose this thing." And you know, West Virginia scored in the 70s. They shot lights out, man. They hit some. I mean, I don't think we could have defended some of their three point shots. You know, and that's the type of team they are. They get hot from three. And then, you know, we, we started yeah. lunging and, and, and looking. But, yeah, that is an area that if we need improvement is definitely turnovers um, and defensive rebounding. Um, we seem to give up quite a bit of second, third shot quite often. You know, we're only eight, you know, seven, eight, nine games into the season. So there's definitely a lot of growth. But, you know, we're sitting there with one loss to a top ten team by four points in Villanova. <laughs> I, I'm pretty happy right. where this basketball team is, yeah. I'm really yeah, confused and- right now because I hear a lot of themes uh, ongoing, the the stretches of uh, bogging down with your offense and careless turnovers and not rebounding the ball very well, especially on the defensive end. And I'm wondering how Kansas State is not a top five team because Texas can do it. Why can't we? <laughs> <laughs> oh, defense. That's right. We, we, we yeah, talked yeah, about defense. Yeah. <laughs> Defense yeah. and depth. I mean, when you have a, when you have a guy like Roy right. Pam at six eleven can come off the bench, and though though he's not going to give you much offensively, all he does is come out there and, and go full steam ahead and, and 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 crash the boards and play hard defense. So Jesus I mean, again, space. we got three or four guys mm-hmm. that come off the bench and, and give us the minutes. You know, we've got five solid, and then we can go three or four deep there. And I mean, there's some guys that are decent players that are not getting a lot of time. I mean, one glue in this team, ironically, Brock Cunningham, um, he doesn't get a lot of a lot of mention, but man, he comes in and just gives some valuable minutes. And and what he does mm-hmm. is he just he goes he gives everything he can for the time he's in there. And and we've lacked that a lot in the past. I mean Roy's hand comes in there and they're not mad that they're not getting twenty five minutes a game. If they're only getting seven minutes, they give you the best seven minutes they can. And I think the team is bought in that they don't want to be the wink link on the defensive end. So they just, they've taken pride in this defensive and, you know, yeah, they want to score. They want to dunk. Everybody wants to do that. But I think our, I think who we are now is we're getting to known as, as, as a stopper. I mean, and I think they've taken ownership of that and they've got pride in it. And I think, it, you know, I think that could take us somewhere this year. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then, so I kind of wanted to ask about, you know, people always talk about Texas as a football school, even when, you know, they, they were, Open up on Kansas at Allen Fieldhouse. The national narrative was kind of like, oh, all the Texas fans are watching the coaching search and they don't care about basketball. Just wondering what your sense on that was and how true that is among the fan base. Well, I mean, there's probably a fair amount of truth on it. I mean, we are building a new basketball facility. Um, it's going to be the Moody Center. It's going to be absolutely incredible. I mean, back in the Barnes era when you know we had TJ4 and we made some Final Four runs and, and we were pretty good. Yeah, we could we could pack sixteen, eighteen thousand, you know, people in there, you know, fairly consistent. But even sometimes during that era, during some midweek games, I mean, it might be half full. 
I, I would say for the most part, the last couple of years, Shaka did lose the home crowd. I mean, our home crowd was, was mm-hmm. not good. Texas is a basketball school, loves basketball if we're winning. The first sign of adversity and it not going good, <laughs> people find other things to do. Immediately in February, March, if it's not going good, they're jumping on the baseball team because our baseball team is a perennial, you know, makes it to Omaha. Spring training right. starts, so football talks again. So, yeah. Our ADHD with basketball is real. I mean, it has to be winning and keep you engaged because come February, baseball, and then by March, football talks are getting ready. So um, there's a lot of truth to that statement, unfortunately, yes. And I'm guilty of it as well. (laughs) Yeah, well, lucky for Shaka, home crowd doesn't really matter this season. (laughs) Especially, I mean, the Big 12, I think, road teams are something like 16 and 8 or or something ridiculous like that. 16 and 8, 16 and 8, yeah, something like that. Yeah. So. I know, and, and what's ironic is I try to catch at least, you know, I live in I live in Houston, so, you know, it's a good little two, two-and-a-half-hour drive to Austin for me, even though I make all the home football games. Obviously, it's a lot mm-hmm. harder to make the basketball, but I usually get over there for at least three or four home games a year, and I don't know what that's going to look like this year with, with, with COVID. I'm going to try to get over there right. for at least one because I want to see them, you know, live in person, but I just don't know how um, how feasible that's going to be. So, yeah, I'm a little – I'm a little disappointed, as, as most of us are, and especially I, I was telling somebody just the other day, I said, how ironic we may have our best basketball team since 2004, <laughs> since P.J. Ford's Final Four team. And I said, I, I, mm-hmm. I said, uh, what, what kind of luck would it be to get to the Final Four or something, and, and then COVID shut us down? I said, I might lose mm-hmm. my mind if that happens. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so how many fans will they have at the game Saturday? How many are they adding in right now? Cool, yeah. man. I think they've been letting in, if I remember right, it was around, man, six to 8,000, I think I heard the other day. I mean, they've been fluctuating. It may even be less now because Austin now is, is it, 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 like it code red again. So a lot of the places have had to shut back down or, or cut back. So I don't even know if they've, if they've released numbers yet. But the other games, you know, just spanning, watching it on TV, it looks pretty sparse in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. Which, yeah, which should be like a normal should be like a normal home game for Texas basketball. I say that jokingly, sarcastic. <laughs> kind of yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. The other thing I wanted to ask about this team is, you know, I think we talked about they've got a lot of guys who can score, but they don't really have that that one dominant guy. You know, I wouldn't say there's a Big Twelve Player of the Year contender on this roster. I mean, you know, do you think that's something that that could hurt them at some point, or? Do they have enough balance to make up for it? Yeah, they don't have that guy that's going to come out and give you 17 and, and 10 or 19 and 10. Different people step up every night. I would say the player that has that most potential, and obviously he's only a freshman, so he's going to have some some weird nights. But mm-hmm. Greg Brown has has shown that he can be that guy. The other day he had 25 points, six blocks, and you know like eight or nine rebounds. So he he has shown it. Again, Andrew Jones could be that guy, but yeah, right now it's a pretty balanced attack. Like you said in the opening, everybody's averaging between 9, 12, 13 points a game. Every now and then somebody goes off for 20, you know, but I think that's what this, that's what makes this team good is, is everybody, um, I mean, you can just see something different with them. There's a camaraderie out there and it starts on the defensive end and they really don't care who gets the shot now. They're not, they're not really fighting over. There's a lot of ball distribution and I think that's why, even though we are having some moments of still getting bogged down like we did in the past, they're becoming le- less frequent because we are able to distribute the ball. I think in years past, some of it, we've had some guys that, that, that wanted to be the big score. I mean, you look, you know, it, it's now just find the open guy. Who's ever open gets the shot. Yeah, yeah. And and Brown, I wonder, so looking at him, I, I see a couple of things that kind of stand out a little bit as weaknesses on, on the stats and, you know, pro- seemingly just like freshman things you could, that can probably be fixed is number one is he, he leads the team in fouls, which probably correlates to why he's, you know, getting fewer minutes than the rest of the starters. And then also his, his field goal percentages, 42% of the field, 29% from three, you know, maybe not, not as high as you expect from a guy his size. So, I mean, do they want him to, you know, play smarter and be a little more efficient? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We need to get him the ball in the post uh, more, but yeah, like, you know, like all of us, we all, you know, I, I you know, we all like to get out on the court and, and shoot threes and I can see sometimes I'm um, shocked after he's jacked a couple, he pulls him over and gives him a little rest on the bench and, and, and talks to him. But 
you know, he brings so much else, you know, like the eight rebounds a game, the, the blocks, the athleticism. He's just incredible on the defensive end. Sometimes you just have to, you know, understand that he is, a, you know, he's an 18-year-old freshman. This time last year was playing high school basketball, and now he's in the spotlight on the number four ranked team. So you just got to let him learn and, and, and coach him and not let him get down because you don't want him to, to start thinking too much. I mean, obviously he goes out there and goes 0 for 7 for 3. You want to address it, but – you just got to let, let the kid play and, and, and work his way through it. But obviously, his I would like to see him get some more touches, more closer, you know, at the elbow or, or down low because um, at 6'9", with his length and athletic ability, he, he's hard to handle. If you see when he gets an offensive rebound, he almost scores every time he gets fouled. He just almost, you know, you just almost can't guard him once he gets the ball down there. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's clear he's got yeah, the green light to shoot from anywhere. So, Eric, I mean, K-State – for you know a handful of reasons has had difficulty drawing fouls you know do you think that they have the kind of team that, that you want to go at brown or is that just gonna result in disaster with it's pretty good defense and also you know like we talked about pretty good depth even behind him in there you know it's that's a really good question um we're not great at drawing fouls because we're not great at attacking the basket. And, and frankly, I mean, we've got a couple of guys in, in Selton Miguel and uh, he, he's actually shown a pretty good, uh, a pretty good knack for being able to get to the bucket, uh, especially, uh, you know, being able to attack it from the three point line and uh, take it all the way in. Dejuan Gordon a little bit. I mean, hit, uh, a, much more of his, you know, getting in and putting pressure on the defense comes off of uh, just the nonstop motor from a rebounding perspective and, uh, and whatnot. So, but outside of that, we really just don't attack the bucket very much to this point. And I'd love to say if it, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it because it's broke, but I, I just don't see us having a lot of success changing things up all of a sudden. And then, you know, and, and trying to put that much pressure on someone like Greg Brown and trying to get him in foul trouble. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, the, the, the Big 12 as a whole is, I mean, as we know, it's, it's just a beating every every night. I mean, it's just, right. um, I mean, there there's really, I mean, even at the bottom, you, if you're going on the road, you've got a player, you're going to get upset. I mean, I know, I know Texas is going to have some losses. Y'all have already had some. I mean, you know, Baylor looks to be, you know, as far as their experience, a little bit better than everybody else. You know, Texas Tech, you know, they, they look good the other night, but, you know, they – Texas Tech, they, they could go 20 minutes and not score. Their offense is atrocious some, some nights. But, again, they play great yeah. defense. So this conference is just such a beating. I, I still don't know how it's going to end up, if, if, to be quite honest. I like, I like where we're at, but, you know, we, we've got some losses coming. Everybody does. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, obviously, though, you, you go in now and field has to win by 25 – you're immediately a contender for the Big 12 title mm-hmm. and probably not a team that's going to see State as a threat this season. Uh, but Mike, I mean, you, you said it, Baylor is the team to beat right now. Unfortunately, I think COVID cost us, uh, or well, moved back, you know, the first meeting between those two teams back in December. But, you know, what will it take for, for Texas to, to win that game? Um, we're going to have to play excellent, excellent, excellent defense, slow them down. Um, you know, again, we can't give up three and four offensive opportunities to them. You know, that, we, that that's, that's key number one, but number two, we're going to have to, we're going to have to shoot well. We're going to have to force them to get out of their comfort zone on defense because they're long, they're lanky, rangy as well. They force bad shots and uh, we've got to play disciplined basketball. We've got to limit their possessions and we've got to um, not give away possessions with turnovers, as y'all mentioned before. I mean, we're going to have to play perfect basketball. You know, I would give Baylor the slight edge at this point, but you know, I, I think we're right there with them. We're better than I thought we were going to be. I knew we were, Gonna, you know, we were had a shot to maybe go, you know, maybe finish in the top three or four, probably get in the eight, nine C range. So far, we've exceeded expectations. Brown has played a little better. Some other things have come around. And, you know, I don't know if we're the number, the fourth best team in the country, but we're playing well. And um, at least in, um, we're looking forward to in Austin and, the, and in Texas in general, not talking about spring football and um, baseball maybe in March this year. Yeah, yeah, and actually, so I'm looking at the schedule now, and uh, that Texas Texas was was supposed to play at Baylor in December, and so they they play in Austin February second, but I don't see where that game has been rescheduled. Is is that still going to happen? Are they going to go to Baylor at some point? Uh, 
yes, um, that was the that was the word when it was canceled. But you're right; there has not been any word of what what they're going to do it. I mean, you would think at some point it's going to have to be rescheduled. I probably, I, I would assume, since other games are getting canceled, the Big Twelve may as it gets later into February, they may look at it and just decide if they're going to be making up games or if they're just going to cancel and it all evens out or something. I think it, with this COVID, it's a game changer. They probably don't know what they're going to do at this point. They're probably going to see how many yeah. get canceled and how important they are. You know, I guess if us and Baylor are both undefeated or one loss, you know, they may not, they may reschedule it, I guess. Um, but if, you know, right. if, if we're two games behind them or they're two games behind us or vice versa or Kansas or whatever, we may, may we may just all roll into the tournament and go seating accordingly. So who knows? Yeah, yeah. Who knows? That's pretty much the theme of this season, right? Who knows? <laughs> I'm just glad we have sports. If we're being honest, you know. Yeah. For yes. Sure. <laughs> for sure. Well, uh, Mike. Yeah, we really appreciate you you coming on. I think this is the point where uh, we give you a chance to to plug some stuff. You know, your Twitter is at uh, mvhornsfan good follow on twitter i enjoy it you know and then you've got your you know your talk show um just i'll just give you a chance to plug yeah, what you've yeah got. the orange the orange report has been a little on hiatus um as you all know this is this is just a hobby for me even though i'm a, an alum and a diehard fan it is and the orange port has been on a hiatus i had to take the the last year off because of you know work mm-hmm. duties but um, i'm thinking about maybe since we have a new art new era with sark you know kicking it back off again you know getting some pressure to do that but um but yeah you can find me on twitter at mb horns fan i apologize now if i uh, offend you sometimes i have no filter on there but that's okay <laughs> i don't want to i don't want to i don't want to go the i don't want to i don't want to go the route of potus and get banned so i have to try to watch myself on twitter <laughs> so so, but yeah, I appreciate y'all having me come on. I, I enjoy interacting with y'all on, on Twitter and it's always fun, even though y'all want y'all's, you know, school to win. I want my school to win. Um, it's always in good banner and, and good fun. And, you know, um, at least one thing we have in common is y'all both hate Kansas like us. And, yes, um, right. and, and, and you know, y'all don't, y'all don't, and y'all probably don't hate OU as much as me, but that's okay. I'll give you a pass. <laughs> well, we appreciate how you seems to lose in, in Manhattan every year in basketball. So yeah, <laughs> that's, that's yeah. Good. We, well, we we've uh, done pretty well against y'all lately. One thing about Herman is he beat he yeah. beat Kansas State. He did pretty yeah. well against y'all in football. Um, that's true. He just couldn't beat. We just couldn't beat TCU and some of the others we needed to beat. So. Yeah, I guess we we probably should ask before we let you go. I mean, what do you think of the the Sarkeesian hire? You know. Uh, it's a, it's a risky hire for sure. You don't know, but I mean, with reports saying that Alabama was, you know, had him signed and ready to take over for Saban, that tells me that he's been up there and they've 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 peeled the onion back and seen what he's done and what he's about now. I mean, we all know about his transgressions. I'm all for second chances. He looks like he's matured. I mean, he's obviously an A plus play caller. The key is can he get him a good defensive coordinator? I'm sure we're going to hear something tonight or tomorrow on that so i'm cautiously optimistic i mean I, I will say this this is a hire that somebody like um OU would probably make and we would rub our noses at it um and we would go <laughs> we would have we would have we would have went and hired brian kelly so we did mm-hmm. a different route we have a new president of, uh, of our university who's a big football guy the big money donors were all behind a change and and obviously we got chris del Cotti. they you know for the first time we had everybody on the same page wanting to do something so i'm cautiously optimistic if he can get a good staff get some recruits together i think he'll do well i I, you know a lot of people want to judge him what he did at usc or washington that's easy to do you know but always tell people um you know i'm not saying he's going to be the next the next nick saban but if people, if, if LSU wouldn't have hired Nick Saban from Michigan State with a worse record than Sark is coming with, Nick Saban would have never been Nick Saban. So it's hard to judge. Mm-hmm. I mean, so we're just going to hope for the best. But I do like, I do think he's an elite play caller, and I think he is going to call plays. So we'll be able to get offensive. Um, we'll be able to get some studs on offense. Again, he's just got to hire a good staff. Yeah. Thanks, Sam. So it'll be interesting to see how it goes. Well, thanks a lot, Mike, for joining us. We appreciate you stopping by. Absolutely. I appreciate y'all. And um, I guess we, y'all, y'all want to do a score prediction? Or what do you think about the game? Y'all want to throw something out? <laughs> yeah, I mean, if you want to, I was kind of, yeah, that's normally pretty depressing for Kansas State this year. But yeah, feel feel free. Go ahead. <laughs> okay, I'll, I'll probably jinx it. I don't know. I've looked at it. I'm going to say, I, I, th- I really think y'all are going to have a hard time sh- 
scoring. I, I really do. I think you're going to get forced to, to shoot a lot of threes, and if you get hot, you'll stay in the game. But yeah. I'm thinking it's going to be 72-57 type game, if I'm being honest, somewhere in there, 55, 72-55-57. That's funny because the, the exact score I was going to throw out there is 70-55. to 55. <laughs> Yeah. So we're, yeah. on, we're on the same page. But, yeah. you know, it's Big 12 basketball. Anything can happen. Y'all be good, guys. I appreciate it. Yeah. Thanks. All right. Take care. All right. Eric, uh, we're going to stay on and talk a little bit more Kansas State. First, we'll take a quick commercial break to hear from our sponsors. And we're back. So, Eric, I guess let's start with, you know, we talked about just how tough the Big 12 is. And even before the season started, we, we said we can't really measure this season by wins and losses. It's more about the kind of growth we see from this team and, and you know, the potential for, for the future. Mm-hmm. I would say so far we haven't really seen the growth that we're hoping for, but there, there certainly has been some. So let's start with with the bright spots being probably, I mean, Nigel Pack was really great from the beginning. Seems like he, he's the point guard of the future. Yep. And then you've got guys like Davion Bradford and Selton McGill who are getting a lot better, I think, than, than they were. Uh, absolutely. I mean, what you uh, absolutely. I think that uh, uh, anybody that's been listening or seeing any of the stuff that I put on the blog has knows that uh, I've been infatuated with Nigel Pack since the first time I saw him play. His shooting's cooled down a little bit, but he, he still shows yeah. that ability to make that, sh- that that outside shot, especially if he's open. Certainly hasn't shown any uh, great ability to create shots or anything like that. He's still kind of a, a, set sh- a set shooter. He's doing a really good job of actually taking care of the ball when he's on the floor. I, I believe he's... Uh, uh, leading the team in assist to turnover ratio right now. So um, he's taking care of the ball, moving it around, that sort of thing. Selton Miguel. So Selton Miguel, the first the first couple of games that we saw him play, I mentioned this to a number of folks. It just looked like the game was fast for him, that he hadn't adjusted to the speed of the game, to the physicality of the game at the at the Division One level. That I think we've seen, especially over the last couple games, has started to normalize. You're starting to see the, the game slow down for him a little bit. You're starting to see uh, him be able to take the ball to the basket a little bit more. I alluded to that a little bit uh, when we were talking about uh, what K-State might do against Texas. Um, He is starting to take the ball to the basket a little bit more. He's super athletic, pretty long when it comes to that, so he can uh, find his way to the bucket. But the one thing about Selton Miguel that actually impressed me quite a bit was against Oklahoma State, where Cade Cunningham, probably the consensus number one pick in this upcoming NBA draft, Selton Miguel yeah. did a good job defensively on him. You know, Cade was still able to move the ball around, find open passes and that sort of thing. But to take the, I think Cade Cunningham was the leading scorer in the Big 12 going into that game. To, to hold him to five points, one bucket, you know, and K-State's not playing a great team defensive scheme yet. So that was a lot on Selton Miguel and his ability to, some combination of his ability to make Cade Cunningham uncomfortable. And because Cade Cunningham was uncomfortable, he wasn't necessarily as aggressive as he probably could be or should be in those cases. Yeah, yeah, I think that's true. I think there was maybe a little bit of also that that Cade rightly didn't feel like he had to score maybe as much as he had in other games. But... Uh, yeah, I mean, he, he took he took Kate out of the game enough that that Mike Boynton took right. Kate out of the game right. for stretches. Um, so yeah. it was uh, it, it, that that to me did not go unnoticed. Let's put it that way. Yeah. Um, yeah. And Davian Bradford is another huge bright point that we've seen so far. Um, you know, I, he still has a lot to learn. Still has a, a lot of work to do from an agility standpoint. From a, a you know just kind of a, an overall I'll call it athleticism and fluidness standpoint on the floor and has a lot of work to do defensively. But one, the one thing I like about him is he's seven feet tall and he knows it. So that dude is trying to dunk every single thing he can get his hands on, which is fantastic to see out of a freshman seven footer. Yeah, it is. I think he he finishes around the rim about as well as anybody we've seen for a while at Kansas State. Certain, um, the one thing is, I, I would like to, I would like to see him maybe develop a little bit more. Even if he could just extend his range out to about like ten feet, I think that would add so much to his game. Because right now he's just not much of a threat when he catches the ball away yeah, from the basket. It, it, even uh, even just let, let's just cover the paint with it. You know, not you know, not yeah. just say around that uh, around that restricted arc or that sort of thing where he's currently the, the, the most effective. But you know. It, out to that 15 feet, out to that, get that elbow shot and that sort of thing. So when, when folks are playing a zone against us, he can actually, you know, pop up to a high post, turn around and, and hit a little short range jumper like that. That'd be great. 
Okay, so so those are the major bright spots. And I guess I would say, let, let's talk a little bit about, I think, you know, defensively, well, they had nowhere to go but up the way they were playing Fair. early in the season. But Fair. I think that the rotations and, and stuff have gotten a little bit better. They're doing a little bit better contesting shots. Still a long way to go, but what do you think of the progress we're seeing there? Um, it, it's What I will say is there's more activity, but there's still some question marks floating over people's heads on the floor when they get into those rotating situations. You still see some rotations that leave shooters wide open. I think the thing that the if it's if the play hasn't broken down, let's put it that way, I think they know I think our guys know where to go and can rotate and that sort of thing. I think when the play breaks down is where our guys starts to struggle and you start to see the other teams get open shots because it just seems like if, if the play breaks down and someone and someone tries to tries to penetrate, get the ball get the ball inside the paint, everybody comes crashing in and that just leaves everybody offensively wide open. So if you have someone that can honestly pass the ball out of traffic, they can just tear us up by getting the ball into the paint. But so, I mean, they're making progress. You're absolutely right. It's nowhere even close to as bad as it was early in the season. But, you know, it's we're we're still not a very good defensive team. Yeah. So now that we've looked at some of the brighter spots, uh, let's let's talk about. Let's talk about Mike McGurl a little bit. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I will say, you know, I feel I feel kind of bad for Mike because he's a guy that that you know Kansas State asking him to do so much, and he he's just not that guy. Yep. You know, he shouldn't be the number one scorer, and he's number four in the Big Twelve in minutes per game right now. <laughs> this just yep. kind of t- tells you a lot about where this roster is. Yep. But at the same time, yeah, you just some of the the decisions that he makes and and the passes he makes. He just needs to dial it back a little bit. It seems like, I don't know. How do you, <laughs> what, mean, how much Mike, is that like on the coaches and on Mike? I don't know. My, Mike's Mike. Uh, and to a certain extent, you know, the, it's unfortunate that the, that, you know, our, our roster is where it's at. There's a lot put on Mike's shoulders and he's, I think you hit the nail on the head. That's not, that's not the type of player he is. You know, if you if you were to, to to go look at a top twenty-five basketball program in the NCAA right now, Mike McGurl is the seventh guy, the eighth guy, even being a senior, because you know his his talents really are he can hit open. He usually, if he's not being asked to do too much, he does generally make some good decisions and take care of the ball. You know, it's just unfortunately where he's at right now, and, and the 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 lack of consistency that you get from as young of a team as we have, he falls into the trap of trying to do too much. And, you know, yeah. you get, you, you get some of the dumb turnovers, you get some of the dumb shots. You know, I, I think that he plays defense as well as we can expect him to. He's not an elite athlete when it comes to those kind of things. He's not, it's, it's not like he has exceptionally long arms or a wide body for his size. He's pretty average when it comes to the, to those kind of things. He's not super quick. So you're not going to see him, you know, being able to jump passing lanes. He's never really shown a great anticipation for those kind of things. I mean, he's a hustler. I mean, he goes out and he, he, he puts a lot of energy onto the floor and, and a lot of his mistakes that he's making right now, I think really are, can just be related to having to feel like he has to do so much because of the inconsistency of the rest of the team. Yeah. yeah. And then, you know, you've got Deshaun Gordon in kind of a similar situation. He's a guy that that really wants to be in that spot, I think. and But he's also just, just not quite there yet. And, you know, maybe, maybe he'll get there, but it seems like, you know, he's not, he's not shooting well enough from the outside right now that, big thing to, to be that guy right but it, it seems like even when he's attacking the basket he's not always making you know the right decisions that's that's fair i will say if i if i had to if i had to pick my poison there i'd rather have him attack the basket than shoot a three yeah. um at the end of the For day sure. i think you know he's <laughs> shooting less than 25 percent from three-point range right now which is not exactly stellar, uh, especially given the fact that he's taken 53 of them for the season. Um, he's third on the team in the number of threes that he's taken. So it's uh, I, I would way rather see him attack the uh, attack the basket. You know, I'm not sure what to like. Even if I was a coach, I'm not sure what to do with Dejon Gordon. To be honest with you, because what I what I see of him on the floor, he has an insane motor. 
you know, he comes crashing in from nowhere. He leads the team in rebounds, being, you know, yeah. a guard. On by a lot. By a lot, yeah. Close. Yeah, three, by three rebounds a game. Yeah. A little little bit over three, or uh, about three re- rebounds a game, yeah. So his motor just keeps going nonstop. You see him putting out the effort, but what's weird is like how many times I see him on the floor and not because he's diving out out after loose balls, but because like he's tripping and falling or he's getting knocked to the ground or the, you know, this and that and the other. So I'm not sure if that's a strength and conditioning thing or he just, the, the flying around puts himself in a position where he ends up, you know, just being off balance or whatnot. He's not great offensively, despite the fact that he's he's scoring ten and a half points a game. He's our, our third scorer right now. A, a lot of that scoring is on putbacks. A lot of that scoring is on the you know when he gets the opportunity to slash and that sort of thing. It's not a lot of despite his, his athleticism, he doesn't really show the ability to create his own shot. He just he's a guy that has a motor that doesn't stop, and I don't know what to do with that because there's because aside from that, there's not a lot of what I would call natural knack for the game yeah you know it's i don't know what to do with this bottled up energy mm-hmm. yeah well so the next thing i was going to talk about was uh wednesday's game but it appears that i guess i think just a little bit before we started this podcast k-state announced that it's not going to play a game wednesday night against iowa state yep because of the covid issues. yep <laughs> so, yep yeah i mean we, we, we talked about that baylor texas game whether they'll reschedule it but Boy, if you're the Big 12, probably not in a big rush to reschedule this one, right? Probably not. I mean, you're talking about the two, the ninth and 10th place teams in the, the, the league right now, you know, and rightfully so that K-State's not going to play this, uh, the, you know, what, I don't know yeah, if it was if it sure. was a trigger or if they just don't want to or what the story is. But, you know, going back to that game against Oklahoma State, you heard you heard us say earlier that they we had six scholarship players. Joe Petrakis is a walk-on and he had the most minutes of any of our big guys. You know, as much as you want to say, well, you know, our, we want our guys to fight and go out and do it. We have that roster, and it sounds like we probably have that roster again because Nigel Pack's out uh, due to COVID. He's out for a couple more games at least. Antonio Gordon, I think, was not supposed to come back before this upcoming game against Texas due to COVID. Monty Murphy is out for the season now with uh, that that knee injury. Casey Eziagu has uh, probably a couple more games uh, with his knee. Suri Lewis is out with COVID, so he'll be out for a couple more games, probably as long as Nigel Pack is. And then Kasubki doesn't look like he will be officially joining the the active roster for an, another couple weeks yet. So it's just like that team against any other Big Twelve team that's that that has their full complement of players. Like there's, a, I don't want to sound defeatist, but there's no point in playing that game other than just getting some some players some minutes. And, you know, yeah. at this at this point in the season and w- with the fr- with the majority of the team being as young as they are, putting your team in a in a basically winless position like that, you really have to start to question whether or not that's going to do damage to their to their their psyche long term. Yeah. Yeah. So, what you know, if K-State and it seems like a big if at this point, but can get you know, all those guys back, Nigel Pack back, Iziagu and, and Gordon, and then add Kazuki, which, let's be honest, is still a big, big question mark. We're, we're hoping he's going to be that, that chance side that they need. But, you know, how much growth or progress you expect to see from this team? And understanding that, you know, against the Big 12 gauntlet, that might not translate to wins. Right. I mean, at one point in late January, K-State's schedule goes... West Virginia, Baylor, quick break with AM when the SEC challenge thing, but then Kansas, Texas Tech, and Texas, Oklahoma State, Kansas. I mean, that's just brutal. That that's that sounds like a well what is that? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I mean, we could probably expect this anyways, but that sounds like O and eight to me. Um, yeah, yeah. You, you know, unless, I, I didn't even mention home and away because it doesn't seem to matter this it year. It doesn't really matter. <laughs> it doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, you, you know, it's honestly when when we're watching for growth, it's baby steps to a certain extent. Um, you know, I already mentioned with Selton Miguel, like his baby step in growth is that you could see the game slow down for him. You're starting to see some things that he can do on the basketball floor, which we didn't see at the beginning of the season. 
it's really hard to, even with the fact that leading up to the season, we had so few practices with a full complement of players. So it's like, it's really hard to sit there and say, well, I just want to, I want the guys to play together this year because even that's being taken out of our hands because of, uh, of COVID and that sort of thing. So I think, you know, a big part of it for me is just let's see the game slow down for some of these guys. Let's see the players get comfortable with the, the, the athleticism and the, uh, the speed of the, the game at the D1 level. You know, going back to something that you mentioned about Kasubki and outside shooting or, or something like that, I was just like, honestly, this team doesn't need any more shooters. And it's not to say that, we're, that we have great shooters to this point. It's like we're relying on, to, on it too much to begin with like we need to we need to figure out something offensively that gets the ball going to the basket more um i think that's that's really what one one of my biggest frustrations so far this season and where the lack of progress i guess that i'm seeing is so far if i was to find a place where there's a lack of progress other than the defensive end is offensively we are so content to just launch three-pointers and we've got guys that can make them, but when you're shooting the volume that we are, that's not a good recipe for winning basketball games, especially if you're not an elite, an elite defensive team. Yeah, yeah. And so then, I mean, I guess the other question, uh, you know, now that we're a month out from the double-digit loss to, to Fort Hays State, which, you know, it was, was rough, but, we, you know, we realized K-State's not really that bad. But, like, at that time, you, you couldn't blame anybody for saying Bruce Weber needs to go. But, I mean, do you think that, that there's a chance at the end of the season that you'll still, you know, say maybe maybe it's time to cut ties or do you kind of give him this season and, and hope that he can keep building? That's a great question. <laughs> I know there's people out there that, that would want to see him go anyways and, and, and even beyond just the Bruce haters. You know, I, I think that if you took an objective look at what, how we're doing this year, you could make the argument that we're not progressing as fast as we could be. Mm-hmm. That being said, um, we know that uh, the, the, the nature of COVID is just throwing everything into disarray. And because of that, I think that I think one way or the other, you have to give them a pass this year because I don't think we're getting, I, I do not think that we're getting worse. I've seen us get, I, I have seen us get better and actually have some periods of playing decent basketball since that loss to Fort Hayes State, you know, we played decent on the road at Texas Tech. We were helped by the fact that their offense sucks almost as much as ours does. But that being said, you know, <laughs> we we played decent for stretches against against Texas Tech. We played decent for stretches against Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State just kind of got away from us late because they they rattled off like thirteen shot thirteen field goals in a row or something like <laughs> yeah. that against us in the. And that's a defensive issue. That that wasn't a fluke. We went through a period where we sucked on both ends of the floor, and that that and that's. And I think a little bit of that was was things after they started ice cold from outside too. Yeah, so. yeah. So uh, we're, I, I'm seeing I, I am seeing us make progress, and with the fact, like I said, even to this point in the in the season, I don't know how many practices we've had with you know all twelve or thirteen of our players available. My guess is not very many. So it's, it's, so it's, it's really hard to put ultimatums on a coach when, when that's the case. Now we get into next season and things start normalizing and we're just, and there's talent on this team and they're going to have a lot of time together. So I think that, you know, I, I think that, you know, Bruce gets past this year. Uh, you go into next year and we're starting to say, okay, we need to start seeing the direction this team is. We want this, this team to head. Yeah. I think so. I, I, Gene Taylor, then do you start this season? Do you, do you start creating a list of potential guys you want to target? Oh, I think so. Uh, I think, I think yeah. any AD worth their salt has that list already. Yeah. Um, basketball and football. I, I think any AD of a major college program that knows what they're doing has that list already. So uh, it, it's, I think it really just boils down to when's the right time to pull that trigger. This season is not the right time to pull that trigger. Unless we get to the end of the season and we find out that he's already, he's already lost the locker room, then it's the right time to pull the trigger. I don't see that happening this year. Where I could see that start to happen is next year. So I think next year starts to become when you when we need to start thinking in terms of okay, we need, either need to do it or we're going a different direction. Yeah, yeah. 
All right. Well, I suppose we should just leave it there. Again, unless you have anything else to add. Uh, well, there's not a whole lot else to add. I mean, we. It's. Uh, I, I think, you know, it's it's one of those interesting seasons because we we know we're not very good comparatively speaking. We know we're really young comparatively speaking and everything like that. So it's it's really hard to sit there and, you know, in ter- in the context of Kansas State like preview games with other teams because, you know, for the rest of the big 12 slate, we're going to be a dog in every single game. So, I mean, we could sit there and talk about, okay, how could we pull something off against a TCU or an Iowa state? I mean, frankly, you know, we, I'm looking at, I'm looking at that game where, where we go to Baylor in a couple of weeks. And if we can keep them under a hundred, that's a success. Yeah. yeah. I mean, seriously. So it's, you know, all we can talk about is we, we can talk about the team, but, you know, previewing games and that sort of thing kind of seems like putting a cart before the horse to a, to a certain extent. Yeah. Yeah. Let's see. Like Mike said, it's for playing sports. I mean, it's weird. I think Wednesday will be the first football or basketball game that K-State has a chance. Yeah. Been pretty yeah. lucky in that respect. We, we have been. Um, you know, I think we had we had an honest argument. We could have probably postponed the Oklahoma State game. Right. Um, you know, it's uh, only having six scholarship players. We only played seven people total, right? Joe Petrakis was the only uh, non-scholarship player to play. Well, I, I think Drew, whatever Drew, he came and played that thirty seconds. But yeah, uh, okay. So. Yeah. I mean, we could have probably called that game off, but uh, yeah, I mean, we've been. We've been lucky enough that we haven't got been decimated so far to not play, but we've been unlucky enough that we haven't really had our whole team available for pretty much any game this season. So, right, right, and it was a lot of the same sort of football too. So. Yeah, 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 exactly. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, as always, Eric, thanks for joining us. Appreciate cool. It. Yeah, thanks for having me and. Uh, looking forward to it well we'll we'll see how it goes so it's about i guess man saturday's game is on the longhorn network so you know good luck watching it but yeah i will be uh (laughs) well we'll we'll see how that one works you don't you don't get the longhorn network up here in a good old colorado so no no, same in washington so yeah all right well take care so yeah